0: Hey it's Pastor Ted Fabianik here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne Australia welcome to our podcast we pray that when you listen to this you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you I really do I do I feel at home man let me let me be careful pastor slowly <laughs> um let's pray Father I just thank you Lord because you are so good at who you are and And leading us by your word. Because it is your word that transforms our understanding. It transforms our minds. It transforms our thinking. Because we're not meant to be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So as Pastor Solvik was saying, we have to think as you think. We have to move according to who you are and who you are in us. We have to understand who we are in you, Lord. And we're not, our identity does not sit among the society we live in. It sits in you, Lord Jesus. So I pray, Father, that you will bring the kingdom here right now in the name of Jesus. That you will speak truth in us, Lord. That we will hear what you are saying even through this word, even through this message. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) The excitement, the faith. I feel the faith in here. It's awesome. Uh, I want to go to 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. And I got to tell you guys, this this message has been sitting with me. Like even at Melbourne Life, we've we've been dealing with what it means to understand what suffering is really about. What it means to understand as a Christian what dealing with trials and tribulation and grief and all these things actually really mean. And personally, God has been taking me through this journey of grief, journey of pain, journey of journey of the things that we don't normally like to hear or talk about when we're in church. <laughs> this is going to be good. So what I want to read here in 1 Peter chapter one give you an understanding of Peter's talking to the dispersion that he names in Galatia and Bithynia and, and other places, he, he refers to them as a dispersion. Now, you have to understand the dispersion back in the Old Testament were the Jews when they were exiled from Jerusalem into Babylon. So Peter's writing this book, but he's writing it not to Jews. He's writing it to the Gentiles. But he's calling them the dispersion because in his understanding and in our understanding, he's referring to them as God's people. And these people are in exile. So he writes this letter to them. And we'll pick up at verse number three. And this is what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's encouraging them. Verse four, to an inheritance that is imperishable. That's that's incredible. It is undefiled and unfading. This This is the God that we serve. Dispersion. This is the God that we serve, people. He's bringing us to this place. He's preparing us for an inheritance that is imperishable, it is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith. Whoo! By God's power, it is being guarded. We are being guarded through faith, for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice. We got to rejoice for where we're going, for the imperishable, undefiled inheritance that we will attain by the power of God through faith. Now, you have to understand, faith is on our side. It's It's where we take ownership. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the words of God. So faith comes from God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So it is up to us. As a matter of fact, in this book later on, Peter refers it to as he puts it this way He says, It is a privilege to believe. It, It is actually an honor to believe. It is an honor to have this faith. So he's saying, rejoice in this. Rejoice in where you're going because the power of God is guarding you through your faith. But let's continue. Peter says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Mm. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire. See, that part, gold, is tested. That's what gold, that's how gold becomes pure. The testing of the gold, the quality of the gold, goes through the fire. So when you have gold that has been through it, it stays. But right here in this scripture, he's saying so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So your faith is being tested to the point that it will be found as a result in praise and glory and honor of God at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So why is Peter saying this? Obviously because they're going through an exile. They're going through some suffering. They're going through some trials. And Peter writes to them because Peter understands a little bit of what it means to be tried. He understands a little bit of what it means to be grieved. Peter gets it. So it's three things I want us to see. He's drawing these Gentiles. He's drawing them who are in exile to focus on what is going to carry them through. It's their faith. It's their faith that is going to carry them through these trials. It's their faith. The power of God is there. The power of God will not let them go, but it is their faith that is going to carry them through to the other side so I want to tell you and I want us to go back to why Peter is able to say this with boldness and with full assurance that he knows what he's talking about so it's three three words here I really want to amplify faith trials and grief because he says remember in verse four no in verse five verse six in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So growing up, I grew up, I've been in the church since I knew how to speak. Like, <laughs> I, before I knew how to speak, I was walking in the pews and like I grew up in church. So maybe a lot of you have grown up in church. Maybe some of you haven't. But when you grow up in church and you hear faith and you hear trials, it's so easy to put faith and trials together because it's true. I mean, even in James 1.8, it talks about the trying of your faith works patience. So you have to be tried. And this is understandable. This this makes sense. But as you get older and as you walk with God and as you learn some things and you learn some losses along the way and you 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 feel some pain here and there, it. The thing that kind of doesn't really get talked about is the grief. It's the grief. Because there's this expectation as if we are meant to be invincible Christians. But it's actually meant to be quite the opposite. Christianity doesn't make you invincible, it makes you completely vulnerable, it makes you a target. Peter knows what he's talking about because as a Christian, he understood and he understood it by experience what it meant to go through the ringer, if you will, when it comes to life. So let's go back where we actually see this. We see this in Luke chapter 22, and we'll start at the 28th verse. Don't you just love the word of God? I I'm 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 loving this right now. I'm preaching to myself seriously. I could just keep going, and and I'm going to. I just got to make sure I stop at the right time. Sorry. Okay, so here you go. Luke chapter 22 verse 28. This is Jesus talking. He says, "You are those who have stayed with me in my trials." Jesus is saying this. He's about to die. He's talking to all of the disciples there because remember. Many disciples were coming, but many left. And when Jesus said, are you guys, you know, looking for someone else or are you going to stay or are you going to go? And Peter said, there, we don't know. You're the one that is the son of God. And, and it was the father that gave him the revelation. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. So Jesus is saying, those of you who have stayed with me in my trials and I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Wow. Incredible. You guys that have stayed with me, guess what? I'm putting a kingdom on you that was given to me. And you're going to eat and drink with me. And you're going to judge Israel. You're going to sit at my table. Who wouldn't want to hear that? Like, that's beautiful. That's beautiful news. Like, oh, thank you, God. I've, I've done it. I've stayed with you in your trials. Not even I've done it with you. But let's keep reading. Verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon. This is after he just told him the great news. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith, remember we're talking about faith, And I've titled this message, I totally forgot to tell you, but the question we want to ask ourselves is, how precious is your faith? How precious is your faith? So he tells him, Satan has desire to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now notice, Jesus didn't say, Satan has desired to sift you as weak. But guess what? I've taken care of that. Satan's done. I've rescued you from it. Don't even worry about it. He didn't tell him that. He didn't tell him, I know what Satan is doing in the background. I'm going to give you some information, Peter. But check this out. You don't even have to worry. You're not going to go through anything. It's all good. I've, I've settled it. He tells him, I pray that your faith Doesn't fail you. He's praying, Jesus, we're talking about Jesus. He's praying, I pray, Peter, I'm telling you what Satan is trying to do, and I'm not gonna tell you I'm gonna rescue you out of it. I'm praying that your faith does not fail you. Hmm. Faith. So what happens? What does Peter say? Peter says, knowing Peter, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Wow, that's great. Awesome, Peter. You want to die for me? But Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, I'm going to tell you right now, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. Now, think about that. Just imagine Jesus telling one of us, no, You say you want to die for me. You say you're ready, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You are actually going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Like that had to just, it's like Peter's heart would have just dropped. It's almost like, no, there's no way. Peter's ready. He's ready to do this. And when Jesus said that, I'm sure Peter might have been thinking, ugh. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to deny you. I'm ready to die for you right now. But the problem is the trial hasn't happened yet. The test hasn't happened yet. See, we have to understand it is not about what we think we can do or what we think we should do in the natural when the test comes. It's about us understanding that the trial is meant to build your faith. Not build your performance. It's not meant to give you a check mark at what you said you would do before the test got here. It's meant to build your faith. So that goes beyond what you think you can do in the moment. Because when you get to the real moment, you find out what you're really made of. And then it starts to tell you where you should be looking in the natural Or in the spirit, because remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It has nothing to do with the natural. It has everything to do with what Jesus is trying to get you to focus on. And that is your faith in him. So, let's look at what happens. Because we see, we know the story. Peter, he denies him and he runs off and he weeps Bitterly. Why does he weep? Because he did the very thing that not only Jesus said he would do, but he did the very thing that he said he wouldn't do. He said, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to go to prison for you. And all it took was a couple of different girls and one other dude saying, aren't you the person that followed this man? And Peter immediately said, no, I have nothing to do with him. To the point that he swore he was saying down curses. So when Peter ran and wept bitterly, it was like he was appalled. He was, he was like, oh, what have I actually done? I've not only done what Jesus said, but I had to actually go through that. I denied the very one that I said I would die for. So he wept, and the Bible says he wept bitterly. This is the trial. This is the test that Peter's going through in this moment. But now let's get to the grief of when it all comes to the top. John chapter 21, verse 15, starting at that verse, to set this up, Jesus has resurrected. He's come back. And now he goes to the disciples who are fishing again because Peter has left the ministry, and he's saying, I'm going back to what I know. And the other disciples say, I'm following you. I'm doing the same thing. So they go and fish, and it's it's an incredible picture because when you see Jesus approaching them from the shore, just as he did when he first called them into the ministry, and he yells out, have you caught any fish? And they say no, not recognizing who it is yet. Then Jesus says, well, cast your net on the right side. And all of these fish come. And then it is John that says, it's the Lord. And Peter, without even thinking, gets out and runs to him. He runs to him. This is the same Peter that denied him three times. He now sees him and he runs to him. So if we pick up at the 15th verse, this is what Jesus says to Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So then Jesus said, tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the next part, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Now, we can all understand where this is coming from. I mean, if, if, if one wanted to say, oh, it's not because of what he went through then. It's because he was asked three times. And I thought about this, and it's like, well, it makes sense if Peter was annoyed or, or frustrated because Jesus keeps asking him the same question. But after that third time... The Bible says Peter was grieved because Peter has not dealt with the grief that has been stirring up and bubbling up in him because of what he did back when he denied his Savior three times. Because the Bible says he wept bitterly. He kept that in. He didn't know what was happening. All he knew is that he felt like he failed. So when Peter is grieved, it's because he's confronted with the very question. It's almost like the elephant in the room, like we have to deal with this. And Peter, Peter could have got up. He could have said, God, why would you do that? Jesus, why would you do that to me? You know what I've been through. You know how I've been hurt. You're just throwing it up in my face. And he could have ran off. He had every right to because he was grieved. And a lot of times we, we let our grief drive us Instead of, instead of taking our grief to the place where we know it can be healed, does that make sense? Because just as Peter was broken, if you go back with Judas, he was broken in the same way. Judas betrayed him and he felt remorseful, but Judas allowed his brokenness to take him into a place where God was not allowed to give the healing that could have happened even in those moments. Peter, on the other hand, he does something different because what does he say? Peter says, and he said to him after being grieved because he said a third time, do you love me? Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. Hmm. You know everything, Lord. So Peter didn't try to put up an argument. He didn't try to become defensive. He allowed the grief to take him to that place where he said, okay, I have a decision to make right now. I can let this grief drive me away from Christ, or I can can take this grief and I can say, Lord, you know everything. The power in allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with you in the middle of of your grief is exactly where the Holy Spirit wants us to be because that is how the genuineness of your faith becomes stronger it is in the testing it is in the trials we can't run away from it even though we want to even though when we feel grief and we kind of want to shelve it we kind of want to put it away we kind of want to just bury it because it's much easier to do so Peter could have done that. Peter could have defended himself. He could have even stayed, but with the bitterness building up in him because he didn't allow God to process. He didn't allow God to really process what was in him by saying, Lord, you know everything. See, when you say, Lord, you know everything, you give him full access to your heart and what's going on within you. But when you block it, Peter's response could have been, yes, Lord, I do love you. I do love you. And still buried the grief that he, that he was dealing with. And he could have become so bitter towards God to the point that he's offended at what God is even doing. And I know as church people, we can go through these stages where we feel like God is not really doing what he said he would do for me. I'm offended at what God is actually doing. I'm bitter at the church because God said he would say this and he said he would do that and he told me he would promise he promised me this and he promised me that but I don't see it happening because it's the bitterness that has built up in us because of the grief that happened that we didn't come to God and say lord you know everything Peter had to release Whatever justification he may have had in the beginning, Peter could have felt like, Lord, you set me up to do this. You told me it was going to happen. This is your fault. He could have blamed Jesus. And a lot of times we blame Jesus. Lord, you brought me to this church and nothing's panning out the way I wanted it to. This is your fault. But he didn't do that. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know my heart. You know my failures. You know my offenses. You know my issues. And you know that I love you. It's not about being perfect. Guys, it's not about being perfect. It's about being honest. And it's about bringing everything. You know my issues, Lord. You know the issues I have with these people. You know the issues that I have with everything that is going on in my life. But you know that I love you. So you got to take care of the issues. So what happens after that? Because remember, It was Jesus, like I said, it was Jesus that told Peter, Satan desired to sift him. But it's amazing how Jesus didn't get in the way of Peter's trials and Peter's faith being built and strengthened in him. Strengthened in Jesus. Jesus didn't get in the way of that. Jesus is not going to get in the way of your trials that is building the genuineness of your faith in Christ. Don't bank on it because it's not going to happen. He's not going to get in the way of the grief that you have to deal with so he can give you the opportunity to to tell him, Lord, you know everything. I'm trusting you more than I trust the very present situation right now. I'm trusting you more than than I am trusting what it is that I have been through. I'm learning how to put my faith in you more than I am in my circumstance. So if nothing goes right, I know you're faithful. So then watch how Peter is commissioned in the verse 18 and 19. Truly, this is Jesus now telling him after he breaks through, after he comes through that moment, guess what Jesus tells him? Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Wow. He's telling him his future. And guess what? Your future is going to be some more trials. It's going to be some more issues. But why does he do this? This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. It is all about the glorifying of our father. That's why Peter can tell the people in, the, in first Peter, he's leading you, he's leading us to an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading, to bring him glory. So if you have to go through these trials, if you have to go through this grief, that's okay Because it's all going to bring him glory because it is going to strengthen your faith in him. Not in the situation that seems to be most comfortable, but in him. Is this this a tough message? (laughs) I'm telling you, it is going to build your faith. It is going to build your faith. Because I can see faith I mean, yeah, the name of this church is faith, faith, life. So I get it, but I can actually see faith really being stirred up here in this room, in, in you. And it is so precious. How precious is your faith? This is how precious it is. So Peter has come to the place that he knows that it is through faith he is guarded. It's the power of God that is guarding him, but it is through his faith to what is imperishable, to what is eternal, because that is the goal, that is where you're going. So, two things. This faith is so precious because it not only shows purpose in the trials that we face, but also in the grief. Don't be afraid of the grief. Because it is your faith that is, it shows you purpose. It shows you who you are in Christ. The grief allows us to recognize that he knows everything. Because it is the grief that brought Peter to the point of him saying, Lord, I can't hide this. You know everything. You get it. You've brought me to this place where I can truly say and believe 100%. You know everything. You're the author and finisher of my faith. You are the first and the last. You know the direction I'm going in. I'm trusting you now more than ever. And we trust what he knows, not what we know. And also the other point, the testing of our faith to see our trust growing in him. He knows us. It's him leading us to discover us in him. And the power of who he is in us. So this is why he tells Peter to follow him. Jesus tells Peter follow me. I've told you what's going to happen. I've told you the things that you're going to go through. You're going to be led by people you don't want to be led by. You're going to be taken to a place you don't want to be taken to, but I want you to trust. Not that. I want you to trust me. So follow me. Don't even worry about the place of you, that you're going to have to go through. Just put your eyes on me. Lift your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from because your help comes from the Lord. Keep your eyes On me, everything you face, everything you go through, every loss you experience. Paul said, everything that I've learned, I experience, and and the things that I've been educated with, and everything that I've attained, I count it as loss to attain the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. In other words, I only want to know him. Everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is why he tells Peter to follow him. This faith is that precious because it shows us who we are in him. I'll just get the worship team to come up. What we have learned, we've learned that our faith enables the power of God to protect us in this journey of life. And we've learned that Jesus is not interested in trying to rescue us to the middle in the middle of our trials he's not interested in trying to rescue us in the middle of our trials that brings grief he's more interested in us experiencing the grief in our trials that will prove our faith to be strong in him which brings him all glory and makes us to be the strong believers he purposed us to be in him that's what god is interested in it. the trials, the grief, it all comes because we're in life and we don't know the things we're gonna face. But what we do know is the what is the same way that Jesus prayed for Peter. I have prayed that your faith will not fail you. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So let me just read one Peter, that same book, chapter 5, verse 80. He's telling these same people, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, Peter doesn't say, hey, guys, guess what? Just like Jesus rescued me, I'm going to rescue you. Just like Jesus got me out of the sifting and the trial, I'm going to do the same. No, he's telling them, be watchful. Be watchful, be prayerful. This same enemy, he's seeking who he can devour. And this is what he says, verse 9. Resist him, firm in your faith. Woo! Firm in your faith. guys guess what I've been there I've done it I can remember clearly when Jesus told me I pray your faith will not fail you I can't rescue you out of this Peter I can't get you out of this climate I can't get you out of these seasons of trials I can't get you away from the grief because it it is your faith that is going to be built and if your faith is built that's what's going to give me glory so I pray your faith doesn't fail you And Peter says the same thing, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. It's not just me, it's all of us. Because he's building our faith in him. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Woo! The glory is in God. Our faith is being tested. The genuineness of it is because it has to give him glory. Because faith comes from him. And we can only move him and please him by faith. So Jesus couldn't get in the way of Peter's dilemma. He couldn't get in the way of Peter's trial. He told him what was gonna happen, but he couldn't rescue him. Because your faith has to speak back to me. You have to learn how to trust me in your issues, in your grief, in your trial. You have to learn. And guess what? You'll strengthen your brethren when you come back around. And what does he do? We just read it. He is strengthening his brethren right there. Hold fast. Hold firm to your faith, guys, because this happens to every single one of us. But I can guarantee you he's going to restore. He's going to strengthen. He's going to confirm. He's going to establish you. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I know it without a doubt. I know the faith that you guys have in your heart. Let God strengthen it. Let God strengthen it. Be encouraged. Every single one of you.